Oh. This is Cannabis Church. February 6th, 2022. And we are live again on Clubhouse for all of our audio listeners. And if you weren't here live, then you missed an amazing bongo introduction by Bongo Dave. We love you, Dave. Thanks for being here. And thank you for watching this on our YouTube for the official Cannabis Church later. These are my opinions and do not represent the views or opinions of anyone else but me and my God. I'm not selling any cannabis here, and I'm not here to save your soul. That's your own job. But I do have pastor wellness available with my own holy oil and heavenly tea. I got some holy oil in my coffee this morning because uh, my neck is rough, uh, which I also put on some of uh, Dr. Lori Brown's ambrosia salve, uh, her ambrosia health and wellness on my neck to help keep things calm so I could get through this sermon because I'm in a lot of pain today. Welcome to Sunday service, where we preach about the holy healing plant, God's gift to Mother Earth and our sacred sacrament. All pronouns, faiths, and faithless are welcome at Cannabis Church. We are here to end the stigma of the devil's lettuce and connect to better wellness personally, spiritually, socially, and for the planet. Whether you need connection to humanity or the universe or the great creator of your choice, or if you just need good vibes and to meditate with love and light, all are welcomed with green grace in this safe space. I'm your pot pastor, Casey. You can partake in the smokable or edible sacred sacrament of your choice at any time during Cannabis Church, as I can hear <laughs> Dave taking bong rips on Clubhouse right now. I am not here to bless the holy plant because the cannabis plant blesses our endocannabinoid system that runs through our entire body. Though I do bless all my own personal cannabis and pastor wellness products that I send out to my loving friends that have requested it. But first, let me actually pray. Hello, God. It's me again. Thanks for another week of living. Thanks for another week of spreading your word, your message, being a herald of heaven. And bringing some friends together that I hope they know and understand how much I truly love. And I'm happy that they are living and exist here on this plane that their souls got to experience in this body. And that we were brought together through the cannabis community to find each other and support each other and love each other. Thank you. I'm super grateful. Amen. As usual, uh, if you listen to, if you're watching the YouTube, thank you to our music director, Brother Will Johnson. Love that man donating the Cannabis Church theme music. And thank you to Royal Gold Soil for the donation that I got from them at MJ BizCon that I'm growing my sacred sacrament in behind me, which is religious cannabis as well as religious CBD. And thank you for your donations they keep me in my sacred sacrament i'm out of sacred sacrament right now so any kind of donations to cannabis church through paypal really helps me out right now uh, i've been told i don't ask enough for that uh because it feels weird uh <laughs> and i 
always said I wouldn't do tithing when I started this church. So there is no tithing requirements. There is no donation requirements. It's just appreciated. And I'm extremely grateful uh, for everyone who has, uh, especially Leah. She has donated several times and I know she's as financially strapped as me. So bless you, Leah. But today, oh, thank you, sweetie. But today I want to talk about truly living. How do we truly live? Well, it's so unfortunate that most people have to be confronted with their own mortality before they decide to truly live. Like I, I, I as I can feel my own mortality fading and my energy fading and the use of my hands and the, the list of things that I took for granted six years ago growing that I cannot do on a regular basis daily anymore for myself that are difficult because of all my illnesses. I didn't need that to live well and to understand my own mortality and love and zest and zeal for life that many of you have come to know about me, which is why it's so hard for people to understand that I'm truly ill and suffering because of the output of energy that I do. But you know what? I've always been an entertainer. And when the lights are on and cameras on, boom, the show must go on. But I was truly shown mortality at a young age. My dad died of cancer when I was nine. My scoutmaster, who became my next kind of father figure because his son died from cancer at a young age, also died from cancer when I was 13. And then the year after that, my grandpa died from cancer when I was 14. I've had multiple relatives die from cancer. And one of my best friends, Annabelle, died from an extremely rare childhood cancer that was growing in her that the doctors never knew about until she, they didn't find it until she was like 19. And she didn't live to see her 22nd birthday. And it was my job to go over and distract her mother so that her boyfriend, my best friend at the time, could get her high, could smoke her out with cannabis, just so she could take her nausea pills to actually eat and get some sort of nutrition. But it was my job to be the distractor and I was proud to do it. So reaching this age and not having cancer and not being dead yet, has been a big fucking surprise to me. I'm not gonna lie. I have not expected to last this long. So the things I'm going through now, not being related to cancer, are an even bigger surprise to me. And I never got to say goodbye to my dad or my scoutmaster or my grandpa. I did get to see Annabelle before she passed. Her left lung had popped because of the cancer cell. Her lungs were breathing oxygen into her entire body as her left side was bloated. Oh, hard to see, but I gotta say goodbye. And I've seen her since. Grew up, the first two houses I grew up in were haunted. My sister, all of my sisters had seen ghosts downstairs in the basement. My oldest sister that I live with now said she saw like an old hag behind a, a spinster, an old spinster wheel. Scared the crap out of her. The only time I ever saw anything was when I went in with my childhood best friend one day and we came around the corner to my room and at the end of the hall, I saw my dad's floating head and he saw his dead grandpa's floating head. So we both experienced something at the same time, but saw something different, though very real and palpable to us. Second house I lived in, there was the darkest entity I've ever encountered in my entire life. 
Who knows what that did to my sister, the one I'm estranged with. I have theories. So I've been always walking that balance of light and dark, and the fight between good and evil, whether you believe in it or not. My beliefs don't require other people to believe. So from a young age, I've always been exuberant about life and made sure that I was truly living, truly living. Take my boombox to elementary school when I first moved to Utah from Idaho because I didn't have any friends. And I'd listen to music and dance by myself on the hill. They made fun of me, but eventually I made friends and I was playing basketball and Invented kissing tag on the, I got a lot of trouble for that at school, but invented kissing tag on, on the playground. Uh, I was the only boy playing at first. Eventually the, the rest started playing. Junior high, and then moved to California, starting a whole new experience in high school and making new friends and making new enemies. But that's part of life, especially when you're living. And because of my own, I don't know, mortality expectations, and my dad died at 43 of cancer. So when I hit 43, I was just like, whoo, mind blown. Just turned 47 this December. Because of that, I never saved money. I never thought about the future. I only thought about today and maybe tomorrow. That's why I live in the present. And in the moment, because I know how fleeting these bodies can be, not our souls, not our eternal souls, but these little mortal flesh cocoons that hopefully we transmute into a beautiful angelic butterfly or whatever it is you believe in or you want to turn into. But so using that i pursued my dreams followed my love of music with bands it's one of the reasons i moved back from utah in the 90s back in 2000 the summer of 2000 back to california to chase my musical aspirations because i knew it was never going to happen in that state the fucking local music scene there was shit and i didn't want to regret anything in life any choices especially chasing your dreams and your love and your passion. And the one thing that I know God gifted me with was my vocal cords. That's one of those things I took for granted because now I can't sing anymore. I can barely, I have trouble swallowing food. And those of you who have heard me speak on multiple occasions, you've probably heard me slur my words. That's part of my illnesses now. I sound like I'm drunk and I don't drink anymore. I quit drinking four years ago. Just cannabis for me now. Or plant medicine. Because those pills, the last neurologist gave me, gave me a heart attack and a, a side effect where my throat closes and I stop breathing or can't swallow my food, where I was already having issues with that because of the illness. So it's all plant medicine for me now, as I'm faced with my own mortality. And this week, I'm finally going to sit down and do what I've been putting off and write my living will and testament with my no resuscitation at the hospital because I've been called home and all my other demands based on my plant medicine use and religious 
beliefs around God and the cannabis plant. And I have to sit down and do that now. There is no time in the future for me to think about doing that. That's part of living now and knowing my own mortality. But living well, how many people do that? As opposed to being in the nine to five, eight hour day, 40 week grind at a job they fucking hate and a manager who doesn't appreciate them and an owner who's getting rich off the backs of the poor. That's the American society, not just us. I mean, it's, it's, it's a global capitalistic society and it's been going on since the times of kings and queens. But that's not our purpose. It's not living. But I have no regrets. I have a life that a lot of people are jealous of. Maybe not now that I'm not fully wheelchair bound, but I'm getting there. But the last 11 years of my life, no, 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 let's go back 13 when I was recording my album, Sunlit World. Go check it out on the World of KC YouTube. While I was in there, sure. The owners of that place were con artists and they even conned their youngest son who him and I became very close friends. I love him to death. He got in a physical fight with his own brother at home arguing over me one night. And it's such a shame that they were liars and con artists suckered me in. But I got a great album out of it that I'm proud of that I still listen to from time to time. With no pre-recorded anything, used all natural instruments and musicians, didn't have a horn section, but you know, Chicago's one of my all-time favorite bands, wanted a horn section in my album, but didn't have one, and ran into one one day that was there recording with another musician, and they came in the next day and recorded on my entire album for dirt cheap for me, dirt cheap, because I was making an entire album, spent $35,000 of my own personal money based on tips from the generosity of my regular customers who knew what I was doing and wanted to see me genuinely succeed and live. Can't thank them enough for that. Never got to make my second or third album that I, that I wrote, but I got that one album. It's got a harp on there, it's got bagpipes on there, got a fiddle player on there, full band, and a full horn section. It's everything I wanted out of an album. And I can be proud. And I had a great time, some messed up times while recording that album. But that's where I met Jeff Timmons from 98 Degrees. And we became friends. And one night we're out eating in, was it Pasadena or something? We're out at this fancy restaurant in somewhere in Orange County, South LA. And he's Jeff Timmons from 98 Degrees. So fans are going to come up. Everywhere we went, fans came up. Wanted pictures, wanted autographs. And he was so humble and gracious about it and so giving and gave me the best advice I've ever gotten from anyone in the entertainment industry ever. And that was, of course I treat them that good. They're the ones who got me here. And they never left my side because we were at the top of our game. And now we're not anymore. I mean, he, 
they've kind of got they've gotten to be, back together since and done tours. It's like 13 years ago. But at the time, you know, they weren't together and they weren't touring and they weren't making music, which as a musician sucks. I miss making music. I miss being on the stage with my boys and my girls and whoever and going to open mic nights and jam fests and just, you know, you know, campfires, whatever. I miss music more than anything. So I understood that. And he was like, but they're with me now. And when I rise back up, they'll still be with me. So thank you for all of you that are here with me and still with me and have been supporting me, the Cannabis Church, since I started this July 4th last year. But it was, it was that recording experience that, so Jeff had had a bad experience doing a reality show. So he wanted to start his own reality show. So he had someone from every genre and I represented the rock and roll because I had, you know, hair down to my ass at the time and wore this kid rock looking fedora and literally got chased into a, uh, uh, one of the few times I've actually been scared in my life. So uh, San Diego Comic-Con uh, 2010, I want to say, 2010, uh, a group of drunk, like 15 drunk guys started chasing me down the street, calling me Kid Rock because I looked like a fat Kid Rock at the time, <laughs> into an elevator where I'm like pushing the closed door button, like going, oh my God, I'm about to get mobbed by a bunch of drunk guys who are going to be really pissed off when they find out I'm not the real Kid Rock. <laughs> but, you know, that was just part of living and living me. But it was during that filming, we got a, uh, Snoop Dogg had a, a small recording studio in Lake Forest, uh, which is near Irvine in Orange County, California. So it wasn't far from where I was recording my album and where Jeff Timmons was recording his, uh, his uh, uh, singles album. And so we went there to pitch him and Warren G to be in our pilot episode, which they didn't want to do. But that was where I got a, that was where I finally got a, I got to smoke some weed one and only time with Warren G and Snoop Dogg. Got lit as shit off that blunt. It was really good stuff. Uh, but everyone in my, group didn't smoke i was the only smoker so i was happy to step up and represent our little pilot and smoke with them and i love telling that story because it was a good time because it's snoop dogg and warren g hell yeah and that was just me living not worried about more mortality being in the moment being in the right places at the right time and meeting the right people and going with the flow and living So fast forward, I'm left the music scene and jumped into the Comic-Con world and started a podcast, Down the Road Show. I see you down there, Rick. Thanks for being a guest on Down the Road Show. And sorry it took so long to get you on because of my own health and how many times I had to cancel our scheduled programs. I can't even put out as many podcasts as I could a year ago or physically, mentally want to anymore. Just another thing I was taken for granted barely even a year ago. But started the Down the Road Show podcast and was lucky enough to get Mark Christopher Lawrence from one of my favorite TV shows at the time, Chuck, on, who's done all kinds of great movies and other TV show appearances. And 
I've gone to see live, do stand-up comedy, who's invited me to go shoot guns with him uh, at the gun range. And he's just a wonderful, wonderful man that I love staying in contact with. And through there, through the Comic-Con scene, I met Adam Baldwin, who was also on the show. And the two of them went to bat for me as a small press nobody with to make sure the studio let me in on the second to last day of recording of the finale of Chuck with five or six other well-known bloggers and e-entertainment news who was there. Well, I was one of the only video podcasts on the planet back at the time. So I took my camera and was ready to go. But unfortunately, e-news, being e-news, had sole rights for video there. So I had to put a cap on my camera and just do my interviews audio, which Adam Baldwin was like, what, what are you doing, Casey? Where's your camera? Why, why is there a lid on your camera? I'm like, E-News, I'm not allowed, which was a bummer. And was I grateful to be there? Yes. Did I lash out on Twitter a little later about that? Yes, Adam Baldwin called me and was like, hey, you know, Mark and I went to bat for you. Don't seem ungrateful. You might want to erase that tweet. So I did. Still pissed off about that, but I did. And through the Comic-Con scene, I got to meet Stan Lee on multiple times. I still remember the first time I ever got to meet him at an after party. I wasn't supposed to be in, but because I looked like the fat kid rock, I looked pretty much like I belonged anywhere I went. And so I went up in the hotel elevator at the Hard Rock Hotel across from the San Diego Convention Center. Jumped on the elevator with another dude. It was like, what's up? And all of a sudden, hold the elevator. And I'm like, oh, okay. Hold the elevator open. And here comes Zach Levi, who was recently was in that Rams movie. And you may know him better as uh, Shazam recently. But he was the main actor from Chuck at the time. So I was kind of thrilled. And him and his agent got on. We go up to the party. This other guy on the elevator, doors open, and he makes a show of it. Go to the party. I was marching down like a big old man. No bigger than me. Actually, shorter than me and skinnier than me. Goes all the way down the hall. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to pace this guy since I'm sneaking into this party. Because my friend who was supposed to get me into the list literally used his last name to get Stan Lee in. That's how good of a party this was. Stan Lee couldn't even get into this party. Stan Lee couldn't get into this party. It took my spot to get into this party. So I couldn't be mad about that, right? So I'm going to do everything I can to sneak into this party. It's a damn good party. And so I'm pacing this guy halfway down the hall and he goes down and turns right and boom, shoulder checks security. The two big dudes right past them into the party. Go or no party. So they got to go after him and the doors are wide open for me. And I hear Zach, you know, behind me, like, or, or the agent for Zach, uh, behind me, like, do you know these guys? And he's like, no, I don't know them. <laughs> like, I, I know you. You may not know me. We've met a few times since. Because, uh, you know, I got to interview him at his show. So I go in, unencumbered, and had the time of my life. Finally got to meet Stanley that night as my friend introduced me. Got to watch Kevin Sorbo, anxious to meet Woody Harrelson, right? Woody Harrelson's back is to Kevin Sorbo. And I got one friend talking to Woody Harrelson and another friend talking to Kevin Sorbo. 
And I'm just watching this whole thing, standing right to the side, hearing every word that's going on. And then all of a sudden, my friend with the list comes over and is like, hey, Woody, Stan wants to meet you. And Woody's like, woo, you know, famous people all look up to other people too. Same with, you know, musicians and sports people. It, it, they, that's how they got in the game. They looked, into, they looked up to someone. So that's how they got their skin in the game, in entertainment or uh, whatever it is you look up to them for. They are all fans of somebody else. So it was an amazing thing to watch. And Woody was like, woo! Takes off with my friend to go meet Stan Lee. And I watched Kevin Sorbo just start pouting because he, all of a sudden he just missed his opportunity. I'm sure they met later, but he just missed his opportunity. That was a great time. There was a live band. They had a wrestling ring in the center where they did some tag team wrestling. I met all kinds of celebrities and all kinds of industry people. And I met all kinds of people that I still call friends today that are small timers in the Comic-Con industry or Toy World or whatever, or small press. And fell in love with the Comic-Con scene. And that's what I've been doing over the last, I want to say 10 years, but, you know, haven't been to one in several years because of the pandemic. And now until I can get an electric wheelchair, which Lord knows when I'll ever be approved from that, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, there are rumors that there's someone in the cannabis uh, community that's going to donate their uh, old electric wheelchair to me, which would be great because there's a cannabis convention in town this week and there's the Pro Bowl in town this weekend. I missed the convention last week. I miss a, I'm missing a convention next week and another one I want to go to in another three weeks here. It's one of the reasons I moved to Vegas because I love trade shows and conventions and it's a great place to use my platform down the road show and get interviews and just film things and network and just have a good time. Things I took for granted five years ago. One of the reasons I had to sell my fancy camera because that and my business card and my Facebook with 34,000 followers got me into anywhere I wanted to go. And without that camera, I don't look as professional anymore. But I also, I can't hold it. My body can't manage it. My hands can barely manage filming things on my cell phone anymore. One of the things I took for granted, my hands. Hard to edit now, hard to do anything, hard to pick up my coffee, hard to cut up those vegetables that I made breakfast with this morning that I still haven't eaten. So my mortality has never been a question to me. It's always been there at the forefront. So to live every day and live it well, my health and wellness, now that's another subject that I obviously took for granted. One of the reasons I started Pastor Wellness, so people can learn from me and my mistakes and learn what I've learned from other people in the health and wellness industry and the failures of our healthcare system and doctors and nurses and the things I've learned over the last seven months on Clubhouse from this amazing cannabis community and the other health and wellness cannabis practitioners and the other cannabis clergy and marijuana ministers and pot pastors, whatever you want to call them. They all got their own terminology for themselves. Learn so much. And I don't want people to take their own health and wellness for granted the way I did. Don't want you to end up on the edge of your own mortality to finally think back and wonder if you truly lived 
I know I did. That's why I'm sharing stories right now. People are always want me to write a book about my celebrity interactions because, I mean, one one weekend in Wizard World, uh, Chicago, I think I moderated over 20 panels for different celebrities. I can't even remember all the celebrities I moderated for because they didn't have enough moderators and the moderators they had kept just bailing on them left and right. And every time I came back to my booth, this is why I stopped having booths at conventions, there was empty beer cups and trash all over the place because they promised someone to watch after my booth because I'm a one-man band. I was there running my booth, doing interviews uh, and and recording entire panels that I wanted you know, my nerdy audience to see and that I was interested in, as well as moderating all these different panels, which is you know, one of my Bruce Campbell stories. You know, People like, ooh, tell me about bad celebrity interactions. Well, I've only had two in my life and Bruce Campbell's the biggest dick of them all. You know? uh, but you can ask any of his co-stars that have ever worked with him, uh, they'll tell you the same. He's just an egocentric, egotistical douchebag, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And I got to introduce him for two of his panels and jackass about it. And then that Sunday, I'm going into the green room, the green room. That's my throat. The green room to get a quick bite of sandwich and refuel on some coffee because I'm about to go moderate Ray Park, who played Darth Maul in episode one of Star Wars Phantom Menace. His panel. So I go in there and it's the CEOs, twins, brothers, nice guys, in there alone with Bruce Campbell. And he scowls at me. He turns to see who's come in and he sees me and he immediately scowls at me like, who's this fat nobody coming into my green room? How dare this douche? Because I'd already had two encounters with him that, that weekend. I come in there with my friend who's a camera guy. That's why I don't use friends anymore. <laughs> but the CEOs turn and look like, who the hell is Bruce Campbell mad dog? Like, who's he mad at? They turn as they see me. Casey! Just the man we were hoping to see. We were actually about to come find you. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, guys? I walk up to them. Don't make any eye contact with Bruce because at this point, I'm just... I'm going to be petty about it. Yeah. They're like, look, coming into town here in Chicago in a few months is the one and only Princess Leia. Back when she was alive, of course. She was doing a one-woman show around the country where she was talking about her life and being open about her mental health and her famous mom and her famous life very cathartic. I had a lot of friends who went to it and they said it was an amazing experience. I wish I could have gone. But they had two sets of tickets. So they wanted me to give out these tickets to the crowd since it was a Star Wars crowd already coming to see Ray Park. And so I was like, all right, yeah, no problem. What information do you want from them to give to you? And how do you want me to give you that information? They're like, oh, just text me the information. And that's, you know, I could literally feel Bruce Campbell to the side of me because I could see him in my peripheral too. But I could feel him just lighten up and just be like, wait, who the hell is this dude? I'm just a fat nobody who's living well and living intently and purposely and just loving life. That's who I am. So I went up there and did that and then 
Wizard World shows up and hands me a little note. Ray needs you to stall. <laughs> so I watched, I watched a panel room of like 600 people go down to 300 people because they weren't there to see me. They're there to see Darth Maul and ask him questions. And he showed up about 20 minutes late to his own panel because he refused to leave his autograph booth until every child got through his line because they'd been waiting there for the doors to open since 7 a.m. Let alone, and then the floors don't open till 10 a.m. So he wanted to get through all of those sweet kids and give them their Darth Maul signature before coming up. So the worst experience of my panel moderating life was sitting up there trying to stretch out time and literally brought up some child who had aspirations of being a blogger to give her some practice because like I was having stuff to say. So, but that's just one of my many experiences over the last 11 years. Living, having fun, helping celebrities go from booth to booth and get from place to pay, place through the crowd when they didn't have sufficient security, helping my friend Chris with his C4 Comic-Con in Ventura County. It only lasted four years, but I was involved for three of those years. And he would take me to Comic-Cons to recruit famous people and artists and creators that he wasn't comfortable going up and talking to because I, you know, as much as we had our differences, I still love the man, but his personality was kind of a wet blanket, rest in peace. He passed away last year choked to death i understand that his mom was there and watched called 911 as i was getting messages and texts from people in the community going is it true about chris and i'm going what the hell are you guys even talking about and i'm making calls and he's not answering and finally his mom picked up and i found out the truth and i just hope my sister or my family never has to witness that with me as i choke on food all the time choking my own phlegm stopped breathing three times a few weeks ago when i had covid I found my sister after her overdose a few years ago. I don't want that for my family. It fucking sucks. I still got PTSD from that. I don't want anyone to have to go through that. That's why my mom rushed me to school and all my sisters got to say goodbye to my dad because my mom didn't want me to experience that. We've had those conversations now and she regrets that. And, you know, it's something I've had to learn to forgive her for. But I understand that now, having gone through it having seen Annabelle in her last days and saying goodbye and knowing that I was there with cannabis and my friend to help her in her time of need because her family's religious beliefs wouldn't allow that in her time of need with all that pain and suffering, which is why it's so important for me to write my last will and testament according to my religious beliefs for my own pain and suffering before things get worse because they're gonna get worse. This is not living well. This is just living now. But I don't have a life I can regret or look back on with regrets. I have experiences after experiences that most people would have to pay a ton of money to get. But I got just because I talk a good game, had a camera, and had a decent following on Facebook. 
and because I choose to live and always chose to live well, not save my money, but spend my money on the things I love and enjoy and spend my hard earned tips going around the country, you know, breaking the bank on some weekends, coming out, you know, way negative, but the experiences outweigh the money I was spending going to conventions, went to about 15 conventions one year between California to New York and Chicago and Arizona and Kansas. Still don't know how people live in Kansas. Don't eat tacos in Kansas, please, people. Just fair warning. They're not, they're not tacos. Okay. I take my tacos very seriously. Most of you know, <laughs> but I don't have any regrets. So, and cannabis has been part of my life since I was 18 in all of that. And it's, my main plant medicine, I use other plant medicine, but it's my main plant medicine now. And the thing that helps me on my worst and worst of days and the thing uh, physically, and the thing that has helped me on my worst and worst of days over the last several years when I was suicidal, that has helped me with my mental health. My spiritual health is stronger than it's ever been because of cannabis. I don't know. That's up to some other people to decide, I guess, or your perception, perspective. My spirituality has never been a real issue with me since I was a kid. Not to me, to other people's religious beliefs, maybe, but not to me. And so cannabis is my sacred sacrament. And that's why I fight for the use of religious cannabis as well as medical cannabis as I'm here in Las Vegas. And I haven't had a good fucking bowl since I moved here. Every dispensary I've gone to and the high price stuff, man, it's mid-grade bullshit. Makes me want to go back to the illicit, illegal streets and hope I can find something decent. Oh, pathetic. We need to do something about the medical cannabis in this country for sure. I'm all about, you know, hey, look, I'm all about smoking for relaxation and, and, and the recreational or adult use, but... Medical is medical. That stuff needs to stand out on its own. And all of my friends in Michigan that keeps talking about their medical cannabis out there. Good Lord, makes me want to jump on a train and go out there just to try it. Because uh, I thought New Mexico's medical cannabis sucked because, you know, hey, look, little spoiled from California. This California boy was spoiled with our medical cannabis. I'm not going to lie. The, the, the mid-grade stuff was better than the high-grade stuff I was getting in New Mexico. But even the New Mexico medical cannabis is better than this bullshit here in Las Vegas. Prove me wrong. Where are the medical cannabis growers here in Las Vegas? Down the road show. Cannabis Church. Prove me fucking wrong. Because <laughs> I haven't had anything decent. That's why I respect all the growers I know personally now who respect the plant and love the plant on a spiritual basis and understand its medicine and its whole plant medicine and their growing techniques to get the best medicine out of the plant because they love and respect the plant. No matter what their religious or spiritual beliefs are, they respect the plant. Without that plant in the society, how much respect have we lost for each other and for our own health? and wellness and our nutrition. As once again, I was dealing with the neighbors last night who were shit-faced drunk because they're still dealing with the loss of her son and her son's brother from 
suicide a, a year ago or two years ago, two years ago. And I understand that. Same summer, I lost my sister to an overdose. And everybody grieves in different ways and takes different time. And I'm a big believer in helping mental health, but I know alcohol doesn't help mental health. And it's the drug of choice of this country and around the world, really. And for people to go to, especially during depression and while dealing with their mental health. And we scientifically know that alcohol makes depression worse and causes more depression, let alone the alcohol poisoning and what it does to your liver. And I'm pretty sure my arthritis is as bad as the way it is because of my alcohol abuse over the decades. Because nobody dies from cannabis. I was just having a conversation in Clubhouse the other day with a gentleman in his own room, small room, because I'm trying to get the message out there into other rooms besides cannabis rooms, uh, rooms where you can actually talk and that aren't cryptocurrency or boring as hell, dumb ass, you know, just clickbait subjects, real conversations. So he wanted to know about his son who had crashed two cars in the last year because of cannabis. Turns out he was drunk driving. He was a regular drunk driver, but it was only the two times he smoked cannabis while drinking that he crashed the car. And all of a sudden it's cannabis's fault. Let's not look at the constant drinking or the regular drunk driving that is completely accepted in the society. But we're just going to go ahead and blame this plant, God's gift. This holy sacred plant that knows more about us because it's older than us and does more for our bodies than we even know about scientifically. Those in the community who use it and have found it for medicine or whatever reasons, they know. They know how it works for them and it works differently for all of us because the plant is smarter than us. The plant knows what the fuck it's doing. God damn, cannabis, thank God. Holy crap. Because without it, without all the CBD and CBG I got in me today, I'd love some THC for the love of God, but without all this in me today, I wouldn't be here because my neck is killing me and I couldn't find my neck brace to hold myself still. And here I am talking with my hands in my head like I always do because I can't help it because I'm passionate because I lived and I lived and I will continue to live until the day I'm no longer living. And I hope you all out there don't have to be faced with your own mortality or the mortality of someone you love to truly live, truly live today and be present and be yourself. Don't apologize for your cannabis use because fuck them. Let me pray. Dear God, I'm humbled and grateful to be here on this earth in this skin suit. Despite my illnesses and pains, still grateful to have lived, to have truly lived and to have lived well. And I pray that for everyone listening and watching this today, and for those not listening and watching, that they have an opportunity to truly live and enjoy life and experience life, because that's what life is about, is experiencing it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen, amen, amen. And with that, thank you for being here on the Cannabis Church YouTube channel or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And I'm going to go ahead and relinquish the clubhouse room 
live to our listening audience so we can continue the conversation like we do every week. Because this is quite frankly my favorite part of the series. Much love. Thanks for